uh, we are going to do our absolute best to shut this thing down at 11 o'clock. So um, I know everybody's excited to get outside. Um, just want to draw your attention, though, to what's going to be happening uh, just over the next couple of weeks for my wife and I. So next Sunday, we will be here in the gathering, but directly after that, we'll be boarding a plane for about 40 hours, and eventually we'll end up in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, where we'll be gathering with leaders from 115 churches uh, around the world, five continents represented. And so we just want to bring you up to speed. One, we really do need your prayers. Um, This is not just a, a time of encouragement for us, but the paths that we're making internationally have to be fueled by relationship, and so we actually need um, God's wisdom and discernment for which doors, because honestly, when I go to these things, there are far more requests for us to actually come and to do work in other nations than we can possibly do, and so please be praying for us uh, in in that, and just that that we would represent just all that God is doing here well, and that we would hear God for the next steps. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be there, and so we'd love to have your prayers. And also, just the, just the reality of what we're going to celebrate today, just as a family. I wanted to make sure, like, if you didn't know there's a picnic, you don't have to worry about food or anything like that. We've got tons of food outside, so we're just delighted that you're here. Just hope that you enjoy uh, just... Just what it is to kind of be part of a normal church family. We're a highly relational group, and we'd love to have everyone stay. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I wasn't the world's best at this, but one of my favorite memories as a dad is kind of reading bedtime stories to my kids. And uh, one of our our favorites in the early years was a book called Dangerous Journey, and it was kind of an abbreviated version of... Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, and our favorite part of that story, Dangerous Journey, has to do with uh, uh, two travelers, one named Christian, who was uh, kind of the focus of the story that was on pilgrimage, trying to make his way to the celestial city, and, and the name of the chapter was called Doubting Castle, and in that particular uh, scene, Christian is walking along the road with his friend called Hopeful, but they find themselves captured by a giant called Despair, and they're locked in a dungeon together. And the the giant called Despair would come in, and he would speak words to them. And he would say, hey, listen, you're never going to get out of this castle alive. And he would come in, and he would hold food and water. And um, if you're going to be trapped with someone (laughs) in a dungeon, it's probably good that their name be Hopeful. And so Hopeful always had... Uh, hopeful things to say to Christian, and they begin in Acts 16 style to begin to pray together, and they begin to sing together, and all of a sudden, Christian remembered that he had a key in his chest pocket called promise, and that key called promise would open any door, especially in Doubting Castle, and they were able to walk out and walk in freedom, and Part of the reason that I love that story is not only because it served my kids, but because it serves me. And it really helps us to understand 
what the Christian life actually is like. Like, it's not all sunshine and roses. There are real battles that we have to go through. But I love that all along the journey, one of the the things that God uses the most are the people that we walk with along the journey. And so we've been in this series called Truth and Lies, and we're going to celebrate a picnic here in just a few moments. But one of the greatest gifts that you're going to have in the Christian life are the relationships that you make. The only way that we're going to be able to be the people that God has called us to be is if we link arms together and we fight together. And so um, just to just to give us a little bit of an exhortation from Ephesians chapter 6, what it means for us to begin to fight back um, for truth and against the lies that so naturally we believe, we're going to read Ephesians 6 together. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read verses 10 through 20. If you have your Bibles open, you can go ahead and stand with me if you're able. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that, the, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you may be seated. Let's pray. Father, I just pray. That in these moments, that these words would become life to us. That you would serve us not just a a physical meal outside, but that we would be nourished uh, by hearing your word together, by engaging with your word in faith. To do that, we need you to send the Spirit. I ask for help to proclaim that which is helpful, the things that I speak that are from you. I pray that they would bear fruit, um, 30 50 or a hundredfold, the things that are just for me that are nonsense, I pray that they would just fall to the ground. In Jesus' name, amen. So just the, our goal over the next few moments is that God would ap- actually grab our hearts and that we would be cultivated and captivated by faith. We've been talking a lot about the truth and lies that we so easily believe. So I, I don't want to 
although there's this reality that we need to be ready to fight and there's a, a call to arm ourselves and all of these things and the battle is real, but I, I also want you to know from the outset that the battle is already won, that the battle belongs to the Lord, and that truth is far stronger than lies. Even though we have the propensity to be deceived, our ability, because we have been indwelt by the Spirit of God who is called the Spirit of Truth, is actually to walk in freedom and in joy. But to do that, we have to listen to the way that God has designed for this battle to go. So my goal is to just give us a high view of what it looks like to have and to walk in the reality of a spiritual battle. So you've maybe seen, you know, pictures like this in a movie where, you know, a general will have like a drone that will come in and kind of see and survey the battlefield. That's a little bit of what we're going to do. And if you don't like battlefield illustrations, you can think about Fixer Upper, right? So anybody Chip and JoJo fans, right? So, I mean, there's that moment, you know, before you start picking out what color vase you're going to have in your foyer, she kind of comes in and she opens up her little computer and you do the virtual walkthrough. That's what we're going to do this morning. Just a quick high-level view of what's most important to remember as we engage in a spiritual battle. Um, one of my mentors, Terry Virgo, says this. He says, life is not just like a war. It is a war, right? So if you've been following Jesus for more than about five minutes, you probably realize that life is a war. You see this throughout the entirety of the New Testament. It says phrases like, wage the good warfare, fight the good fight of faith, like continue, persevere. In this passage, it says you need to stand firm and you need to stand. And all of these things are just the reality that we all find ourselves in a spiritual battle. So the truth is, every person in this room, whether you are aware of it or not, you are either presently engaged in a spiritual battle, you are coming out of a spiritual battle, or you are about to walk into a spiritual battle. This is the way that God wants us to be able to see the world. So there's this reality that there is a spiritual battle for us, and some indications that you might be in a spiritual battle would be, you're ready to throw in a towel. You know, I mean, you are absolutely, if you're honest, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, ready to tap out. That's an indication that you might be in a spiritual battle. If you are here and you're confused, and it seems like evil is winning the day, that's an indication you might be in a spiritual battle, right? If, honestly, if you are experiencing surges of faith and energy, this also is an indication that you are in spiritual battle. It just means you may be drawing into the resources that we have in and through Jesus Christ. But we all walk in the reality of spiritual battles. So we want to, you know, just understand how God has designed for this to work. Look at verses 10 through 13. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So just this call for us to 
live out the reality of a battle is necessary for us to become who God has created us to be. Living out God's calling and becoming who He's created us to be requires a spiritual battle. Now, he uses the words finally here. He's not just wrapping up the letter. Lots of commentators actually believe that this is the entire point of the book of Ephesians is so that they know how to be ready to fight. Because um, if you know anything about the culture at Ephesus, there were all of these spiritual powers and all of these false gods that were tempting them to be afraid. It's not very much different from our culture. It's full of fear, full full of worry, full of anxiety. And he says, hey, I want you to be ready to fulfill all the things that you're called to be and all the things that you're called to do. But none of those things are going to happen apart from walking through spiritual battle. So I don't want you to be unaware of the things that you're going to walk through. So this wonderful book of Ephesians, all of this teaching on the gospel that Jesus came in the flesh and he came and he raised spiritually dead people and makes them spiritually alive. And all this teaching about the church and all this teaching about marriage and family, none of those things happen apart from a spiritual battle. And if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you know that to be true. So he wants us to be aware as we walk through the battle. But the truth is that we have every resource that we need in and through Jesus to walk in the victory that He has for us. So, our default setting as Western people, right? I mean, when I start talking about rulers and powers and authorities and spiritual powers of darkness, the default setting of Americans is that all the evil spirits kind of move to Indonesia in about AD 70, right? I mean, we we don't walk in that reality. But the truth is, there are spiritual forces of darkness that make things that are destructive look attractive, right? That make us pursue materialism, thinking that joy can be found in a material thing instead of people that are made in the image of God. There are Spiritual forces that would cause us to think that our identity is in what we do and our careers and we sacrifice everything to accomplish those things and we lose the things that are most important. Those are spiritual forces of darkness. Now, it may look different when I go to meet with my friends from India next weekend, but the reality is there are spiritual forces that want to keep us from seeing the world as it actually is. The world's foremost New Testament scholar, N.T. Wright, says the following. He says, I've noticed over the years the topic of spiritual warfare is itself the subject of spiritual warfare. It's as though certain hidden forces would much rather we didn't talk about it or that we swept it under the carpet. What we have in this present passage and what I believe is required again and again as Christians face the daily and yearly battle for the kingdom is a sober, realistic assessment of both the struggle we are engaged in and the weapons at our disposal. 
It is, of course, a surprise to many people that there's a struggle at all. Yes, they think we might find it difficult from time to time to practice our Christianity. We find it hard to forgive people, to pray regularly, to resist temptation, to learn more about the faith. But as far as they're concerned, that's the end of it. They have never thought that their small struggles might be part of a larger campaign. They are like soldiers fighting in a fog never seen and not actually knowing about the others not far away in the same line of battle, let alone that there are other theaters where this war is continuing. And so one of the reasons that we do this all together is we are all in the same battle, right? And, and one of the greatest gifts that God's given us is the relationships that we have to be able to fight. So this is not just a call for us. I mean, as Westerners, we read this book so individually, like, what is in this for me? What can I live on for my own life? But this is a corporate book. The book of Ephesians is written to a real church in history, and it's written to us as a community before it's actually written to you as an individual so that we can learn to fight together. So what resources do we actually have? Look at verse 10. This isn't a call for us to exercise our own wisdom It's not to go about this in our own strength. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. This isn't about us, you know, smiling and putting on your church face and coming in this room and trying to get through it on your own. This is about drawing down the strength of the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, that He actually has strength and power for the battles that you are facing. But we, as the people of God, don't need to just try to blindly go through life. We need to draw down strength. We need to be strong in the Lord. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He gives strength to the faint. If you're here and you're weary and you need to be renewed, He has strength for you. Be strong in the Lord. If you're here and you're spiritually thirsty, He invites us to come and to drink. He makes streams in the desert so that we can draw down the strength and the resources that we have in and through Him. So God is inviting us. And the difference between this, right, our strength and the strength of the Lord, uh, my friend Andrew Wilson says, is the difference between rowing and sailing, right? Those are two different experiences. We all know what it's like to try to get up and do more and try harder and pray, right? I mean, you can pray for like five minutes and you can exhaust yourself trying to come up with things to pray about. Or what this passage invites us into is praying in the Holy Spirit in the energy and the purpose and the wisdom of the Spirit. And we can be wonderfully helped along as we walk into the spiritual battles that we have. God invites us to draw down strength from Him. Verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So what we're trying to do is draw down the strength of the Lord. Have Him open our eyes to the resources that we have. There's this wonderful picture in 2 Kings chapter 6 where Elisha is really surrounded by the Syrian army that's all around him. And his servant goes out and he's basically going to get Elisha some coffee in the morning and he He comes back and he sees the whole Syrian army before him. And he comes back and he tells Elisha, Hey, 
you want to be careful, like, I think the whole army's out there. And he just says, God, could you just open his eyes so that he knows that there are more that are with us than are with them. And he lifts up his eyes and he sees the God of angel armies. And there are hosts and multitudes of spiritual powers that are arrayed to help Elijah and his servant. Right? That's what Ephesians 6 is supposed to be for us. The resources to walk through what you are walking through are available because Jesus has done the unimaginably difficult by laying down his life. He has defeated the rulers and the, the powers and the authorities. The accuser of the brethren has been thrown down so that you can experience actual victory over the lies that you are so tempted to believe. Now, This passage famously is about the armor of God. Now, I could have Aaron up here, and I probably should have done that, and put like a little Roman soldier hat on him and a breastplate of righteousness and all those things. But a couple of times, like, I mean, there's certainly each of those pieces mean something. But for our time together, um, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, it says you need to put off your old self and then put on the new self that is in Christ Jesus. What we're talking about is putting on Jesus, all that he has done for us. And that affects our mind and our will and our emotions and our following Jesus and the way that we fight. Making the resources that we have, walking in the good of those things. We don't have to come up with this stuff in our own strength. So the thing that this does is it pushes us forward in our calling. And I don't think I've ever seen this before. So this is a new insight for me, probably not to you guys because you get this all the time. But the only way that this works is if you're moving forward, right? There's no promise of protection if you're just kind of standing still. I mean, this is following Jesus on mission, on pilgrimage, right? Um, some of the commentators say, yeah, there, there's no armor for our backs, like for us to retreat. I mean, there's this real necessity for us to move forward, to become in the things that we, you know, that we're called to do. So we're following Jesus. So our posture has to always be moving forward. This doesn't mean that we don't find refuge in God and we don't take times and seasons to refresh and care for our souls, but it does mean that we know where we are going. Right? It's not just for, for most of us. And can, can we just be honest? Right? <laughs> We're talking about praying in the Spirit or praying with the, the energy of the Spirit. Prayer for most people is little more than, hey, here's my to do list. God, would you bless it today? You know? But what this is talking about is as we are engaged as a community in real relationship and as we're going forward on mission, that God promises to help us. And to give us resources. So this is a promise for us collectively. That as we move forward that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And so kind of what I want to just kind of dive into here in our last few minutes. Is just the reality of we fight for one another as family. While we moved ahead as an army. A healthy church is both a family and an army. Right, And we are going to experience family. And we do family well. But listen, 
if you only do family, like you become weird and ingrown, right? You become a little selfish and you have lots of sibling rivalries happening all the time. But if we are a family that cares for one another well as we move forward on the mission, pushing back the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of God's beloved son, there's, there's some strengthening that can happen. So what that means very practically is how we care for each other as a family is that we bear one another's burdens. Like you realize that every person in this room is going through a battle, right? And so a, a real practical way to apply this is while we're at the picnic. Like if you can, I mean, I'm not saying don't laugh, don't have a great time, but you know, there, there, there can be some moments of ministry happen around the table as we go outside. Like hey, how can I really pray for you? How can I walk alongside you? How can I help you in the things that you're going through? And, and, and use that as an opportunity to enjoy the gifts that God's given us. The good news about this battle is you never have to fight alone. Right? We have one another as a gift. And then, um, as we move forward together in our mission, and we're going to really try to take some ground in this over the summer, how do we continue to try to push back darkness more than just one-on-one and individually like we're, we're praying about some things that God might have us to do in the summer so continue to pray for that so um, I've been watching several medieval kind of pieces like historical fiction and and one of the things the, the these crusaders would do is they would get as close as possible together they would have their shields almost interlock and they would be standing shoulder to shoulder. And they're saying, I'm here for my brother. Like, no one can get through here. And so my only question for you is, in the battle that you're in, who's standing shoulder to shoulder with you? Right? There should be no one in the church and the family of God that's fighting alone. Right? So God has created the church to help you to walk through the things that you're walking through. We're all walking through a battle, but none of us have to fight alone and then the other posture that I think is absolutely important is just the reality of faith. Faith moves us from being passive victims of spiritual attack to victors in Jesus Christ. So there's a cheesy Kevin Costner movie from 2006 called The Guardian. Anybody seen it? All right. It's okay. Yeah, it was bad, but it's like a half star. But there's one line, like in this Kevin Costner movie. So it's about the Coast Guard and they're training air rescue swimmers. And one of the things that they say over and over, the only difference between an air rescue swimmer and the victim that's in the water is the way that they enter the water, right? They're all in the same storm together. So for us, as the people of God, the thing, like if there was like a most important piece of armor that you were going to walk in, that you needed to put on, it's going to be the shield of faith that extinguishes all, all the flaming darts of the enemy. As we're talking about truth and lies, the most important thing for us to have is faith. And so there's a tension here. Faith is a gift from God that you receive as you see Jesus as He is, that He absolutely is the King and He is in charge and He's for us and not against us. That gives us faith. But then you, you, you see biblical characters growing in faith and exercising faith. 
And I think that's a muscle that God would have us to grow in. How do we cultivate more faith that, that, that God wants to break through just the, the ordinary and the mundane to bring in just the, the reality of what it means to hope and to believe and to trust and to see Him do things. Faith changes our perspective. So I said it at the beginning, the battle belongs to the Lord. Also says in the book of Isaiah that no weapon that's formed against us can prosper. Right, As we put on Jesus and we walk in Him and we draw down the resources of heaven, the, the lies that we believe are no match for the truth that we have in Jesus. He protects our minds and our hearts and our wills and our emotions as we move forward and follow Him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for Your great love for us. Thank You that we get to do this together. Thank you that despite the fact that we're all walking through a spiritual battle, we don't have to do that alone. I pray that there would just be real joy, real, real healing just as we laugh together and we have a good time. But also pray that there would be moments of ministry that happen around the table as we just celebrate what it means to be a family that, that loves one another as we are an army that goes forward to push back the kingdom of darkness. For the sake of your son, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, a couple